Hello, everyone. Today's episode number 15 is sponsored by Dante Zompetti. Zompetti, wow. Loan officer with Movement Mortgage, specializing in helping veterans use the benefits they have earned. Know a veteran who has questions on the VA home loan benefits? Dante can help. Call him at 937-522-5419 to learn more. Dante Zompetti, NMLS number 1452256. Movement Mortgage supports equal housing opportunity. And MLS ID 39179. Check their references out at www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Oh boy, that was a rough one. So today on this podcast, we're going to discuss their journey to the goal and not actually achieving the goal. And Ben read an interesting book on why people sell or buy from you. Correct, Ben? Correct. Correct. So let's get into it. What up, dog? What's up, Trenton? Am Another I on day? time? No, you're late, like always, with everything. 15 minutes late. Bro. I, I was in here. How you stay in business, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder the same question. <laughs> right. We all, in this office, we all wonder how, quote, quote, the Bolton group. We got two people now. Is Yeah, your group. Listen, when it comes to you guys, it's it's all about, my dad told me this one time. What's that? If people aren't showing up on time for you, they don't respect your time. Yeah, well, then go f- fuck yourself then. Is that, <laughs> go fuck you then, motherfucker. I oh, respect, can I show you respect? I respect my client's time. I'm always on time for them. I, I, you know what? What? Pretzeled. I'm so pissed right now. Is the podcast over? So here, a here's the problem. Over? When I'm so pissed, I can't even say anything, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. That's where fire's going to start again, spit, son. So um, are you mad at me right now or somebody else? Pissed at you. Disrespect, son. Let's go get on time. I get the shit out here. I record it. I post it out there. I cut the video. Oh, ben comes in like he's a goddamn movie star. Like, where's my shit? Let's just record it when I want to, and we're out. He's a prima donna. Prima donna podcast. You knew what you were getting into me getting into 15 episodes ago. A little bit, but I thought you'd grow up. Do you regret this decision? Um, it's fun. I think I'm getting myself in less trouble if I was just talking to myself because who knows, who knows what weird yeah, crap man. and interesting conversation. If I was doing a podcast by myself and sometimes like my brain alone, scary place to be. Dude, I like doing that actually. Retro, I you have someone said something where you have to be really self aware. Like once you're self aware of yourself and understand how you are, you can really be good or. Um, you can really like, figure out what your weaknesses and strengths are and really capitalize. So I'm always constantly well, self-reflection. Self, I always self-evaluate myself all the time. Yeah, just self-reflection. I mean, you have to do that. That's something I don't spend enough time with. I, I think I think you're doing a really good job of it right now because you've kind of taken that step back and said, all right, let's build. Right. Um, well, it's not even just... Well, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you took a step back from your business. I mean, you're doing... Right, you're right, right, right. By you're the, talking that. I was saying just in general in life. Yeah, let me... Let me but. You're not, and I'm going to walk a fine line by not, it's a compliment, but you've taken, you've taken a step back and said, all right, this year, we're not going to go do 25 million, but I'm building something right now for next year that 25 million is easy. That's what you're doing. And it's because you took that step back and self-reflected where a thing that I struggle with and everybody tells you is you need that planning period scheduled in your day. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I'm all about that. Like I, I, but I don't do it enough where it's like, yeah, it makes sense. I need to plan and I need to self-reflect every day, but I don't, because if not, you're just so focused on go, go, go that where does that, like, where does that building happen? Like, where are you learning your lessons? Cause you can't learn them when you're go, go, go. You have to, I do self-reflection, not just business in general. I sit back, I'm like, okay, where are we at? And you are kind of right. I'm still focused on this year, but I'm also really focused on next year because like we talked about next year starts in October because it's by the time you're working your deals and stuff. So I haven't given up on these goals by any means, but I'm starting to focus on those goals because I know if I can get those 26 to 30 some listings in the first three to four months, if my plan set right to clients per listing, bada bing, bada boom, I will hit my 110 goals. I'll, I'll be set. I was like, if I get those, everything else is downhill. This it, is like easy it, snowball. It's the decision you made. Like, okay, am I okay selling seven and a half, 10 million this year? But next year I can absolutely crush it because I planned for it versus planning in the moment. Cause if you're planning in the moment when you're busy, right. you're planning too late, which they talk about in MREA, so your, your first hire, it's you're late to your first hire. If you're hired you hire for you where you're it. going, I think Lance Logan says, you hire for where you're going, not where you're at. Yeah. If you're hired for where you're at, you're screwed. Because right. you, you don't have time to train them because you're so busy right now. You get 20, 30 listings. How are you supposed to implement a system? You won't. You'll just when you've got 20, 30 listings running. Right. And I can't get those 20, 30 listings. Let's be real, I can't. Otherwise I would have done it this year without some type of leverage and some type of system to build to work that way. Mm-hmm. Um but every once in a while you you smack your face in a wall like you trip and just it, it, it's just, it's tough for me to again I totally agree with it it's totally something I need to do it's totally something we all need to do but it's tough for me to take time out of my day where it's a go 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 business and say okay I need to take a step back look at the past learn from it and then right. and then move forward where it's like no 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 I just want to just keep going it's tough and I need it's a, it's a, I think it's a muscle that you have to do because you have to have it. I mean every successful person sits there and self-reflects or has a planning period. Or they should. Or they should. I haven't I haven't planned in a while. Well, I guess kind of have, but I like to self-reflection. I like reading. So yep. MREA brings me back to business. Think and grow rich. I got notes and just sticky notes all over. I'm going to reread that again just cuz that's almost more like the positive, not positive mindset. I think everyone gets that book wrong. It's definitely not about Oh, if I think and I'll grow rich, it's no, it's just like, Hey, what's your problem? Sit on it. And it's, it's like Dale Carnegie's how it went and influenced people. We just take aspects of it and apply it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awesome. I use it. I read it. Try to read it once a year. Uh, think and grow rich or the MREA or both. Both. Yeah. I'll read it more than once a year. Honestly, there's just so much in each one. Like one book, one section is like self-actualization and think and grow rich um, and use that. And they actually have one on like, sexual transfusion or transmission or something sexual transfusion it just talks about how you take that energy <laughs> it's kind of weird like they so in the newest version of it they changed the terminology because it's not so whatever but basically it just says takes your sexual energy instead of like what a lot of people do with it like imagine you're 20 yeah <laughs> take 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 that energy instead of using that energy go do whatever 20 year olds do in college yeah. and actually apply that energy elsewhere in your life. Dude. You'd explode. Oh my yeah, God. That's why, that's why, that's why nerds you, are so good in, in holy business. Holy crap, dude. Could you imagine? They focus all of it on like Every tech. second that you spent in your 20, like 21, 22, 23 year old self. I mean, right. let's be realistic. Every, every. What you're distracted by. Oh God. And, and I then focused that if you on, took that energy elsewhere. Ooh, buddy. Dude, you'd be Mark Zuckerberg. Look at I that guy. Be, so rich if instead of thinking about 
sex. No. I thought about business. Yeah. Oh God. Or you just not completely just even took part of that energy and focused it elsewhere on work or school. This is probably the that's stuff. what smart kids do. They take that energy, they focus on school while we just partied. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this is the this is the stuff that I think the good tidbits that like most podcasts aren't going to talk about. Like, hey, stop thinking about sex here on real but, life too. So that that just clicks on the right. What they talk about though is most people are successful in their forties and fifties. Why? Oh wow, their sex stops. Like not stops, stops but it's but it's, it's a lot less. Like you're not a twenty two year old. You're like a rabbit. Kid. Yeah, you're like humping rabbit out there. <laughs> Whereas when you're older, Whoa. like the sex kind of stops a little bit or. You know, you have family life shit just happens where you can actually focus that energy and attention more on what you're trying to accomplish or what you yeah, should. Yeah. It's, but that's what they say in the book. But nonetheless, there's a bunch of different segments in that chapter. A lot of it's like older school, but 100,000% applies. I could name you like 20 people who are really good, whether in real estate or in other businesses that reference Think and Grow Rich all the time. Well, I, I mean, mean it, I, I think it's one of those books that it's been on my shelf for so long and it's been re- recommended to me by so many people. You actually have it and you haven't read it. I haven't read that Damn. one. I haven't read uh, another one that people tell me is there's three books that are on my shelf that, you know, the, you know, that shelf on your bookshelf where it's like, I've got like all the books I've read on like four other shelves and like four. Sh- Ben's <laughs> shelves are three inch by three yeah, inch. So it's one book me, per let, shelf. Let's say shelf, that they're, out there. each shelf is divided into like fiction, nonfiction, like family stuff. And there's probably three books on each one. But yeah. um, there's a book, there's just like a shelf and it's like think and grow rich, rich dad, poor dad, and um, seven habits of highly effective people. Read that. Well, I haven't read Rich Dad Poor Dad and How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's a great book. All those I, four books I've just never I, read. I need to reread that because I have a bit of my dad in me. I go one, two, ten. There's no one, two, three, four, five, seven, or ten. I go from one, two to ten. Like I just get annoyed or pissed off and I'm done. Which I found in life, if you're just like you just work with them, it, the less you care, the easier life is. Yes. I mean you're like, all right, whatever. Like I've gotten that point. I was kind of think about that today. Like you have listings coming up or buyers go someone else. I used to get so pissed because I'm like very competitive. I'm like, man, well, how did I lose them? What can I do? Or I see a listing on a road I drive by every day and someone gets it. I'm like, man, how'd they get that listing? But I'm, I'm real, I'm realistic with myself. And I start thinking, I never knocked on the door. I never talked to the guy. Yeah. I did, never did anything. So why am I getting mad? It? I didn't get it. Yeah. yeah. And like, you take it as a learning experience. I want to get every list in my town and then all these other listings are coming up. I'm like, why am I signed there? Why didn't they call mine? I'm like, why didn't they go knock on the door and talk to them? Yeah. Why didn't they do this? They're probably their cousin or they're probably the family friend or someone they've used 10 times. Like I have to like, I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to realize you're not going to get everything and that's okay. And it's a lot less stressful because it's, you just can't, yeah. you can't get everything. I don't care what anyone says. You can't get perfection. So stop, stop chasing perfection. Um, I think chasing perfection as an idea of something that's unattainable is a good idea. Right. Like know that you're never going to be perfect, but try to chase the perfect version of yourself. Does yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, but you're, that's chasing your perfect or your goals. Like we talked about on the last episode, which I thought was our best one yet where the one guy's like, you know, he's writing note cards and he's getting some 200 deals. And yeah. I was like, maybe he's good with that. Whereas we're in the point now, like we want more than that, obviously. Yeah. So maybe he's good with that. So for him, if he's good with that, then why does it matter? Yeah. Like I, I thought about this the other day. I'm like, it's kind of funny. You see these people who are rich and famous or whatever, and then they just disappear for a while. And they're like, man, it's not all about the rich and fame. It's not about the money. And they're right. 
but guess what? They didn't get there until they got the money to financially get free to do that life of yes. relaxation, introspection, and just hanging out on a shack and drinking coconut juice and catching fish. Which you don't get to get there without you don't get there without the financial support. Yeah. And you have to eat shit for however long to say, hey, at this point, I can I'm not talking about retirement when yeah. you're seventy. I'm talking like shit, if I'm fifty and I'm doing good in this business, I have some other stuff going, I'm good. I don't know. I will never stop working because I just no. I enjoy work. I've seen people once they quit. It's like the law of inertia. It's like once you stop moving, your body actually starts dying, decomposing. Die. Like all those people who are a six hundred pound life, their body's just destroying itself. They're like, all right, we're gonna die. Cause the more you move, the more active and the better you are as a person. Like think about it. If you when I work out in the morning, my day is ten times better because I did something hard. I got through it, I pushed myself, and everything else is like, ah, whatever. And you're moved and your body's going. The more like lazy you are, the worse like you feel and the worse your body is, you start breaking down. So those people who have gotten to that point where they can say it's not about the money or their fame, they're right, but you can't do that when you only have ten grand in a bank account. Yeah. So I, you got people who are living that lifestyle out in the woods. I, I or I, but they're still struggling because finances, they owe money or they have medical issues they can't get taken care people, of. People I, I get money is not where happiness comes from. But you got a lot less stress when you got Bro, a lot of money in the bank. You can be perfectly. I, I hate that saying because you know I they say money is the root of all evil. It's not. It's the love of money that's the yes. root of all evil. I don't love money. I, I like just want to get the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah, I love making money because it's fun. Because not because like oh I can say I have hundred grand because right now the dollar value is dropping so fast that gold's worth more. So a million dollars now might not be worth anything compared to what a million dollars worth. So perfect example thirty years ago if you had a million. You're basically like a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. A million now. Like, imagine when we retire, a million dollars is going to be like a hundred grand. Yeah. A million will be a hundred. You'll need like $10 million because yeah. inflation and rate of all that stuff. Yep. So, money doesn't really mean it's, anything. You, you just, have to have a consistent. Just think about like when you, when you were a kid, right? When, when right. I, I remember when I was a little kid and I had like 10 bucks and I was like, like my mom would give me a $10 right, allowance right. and I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is going to get me through like a week of going to the pool, buying Sour Patch Kids. And then when you get to like 16 years old, 10 bucks isn't that much. And then it's like, now I got $100. And like having $100 was a huge thing. Yeah. Right. Next. And then now it's like when you get into college, it's like, okay, well, $1,000 is really nice. But now you get into adulthood and I hate to say it, but like if you've got less than $1,000, that's like a scary, <sighs> scary place to be. That's scary in college. But majority of people. That's what, yeah. That, that's that. reality. And you're telling me that if $100,000 dropped in their bank account, they wouldn't be a little happier because the stress of right. finances are no longer on them. The That's money the, the money shouldn't make you happy. It should, what you can do with the money that can make you happy. Like it's, I can pay off the house. Like imagine if no one had a mortgage, no one had a car payment, no one had student loans. Yeah. Say no one had any debt. This entire world will not be burning. There will not no. be riots. There'll be people protesting because whatever they think is going on, inequality, whatever, which is awesome because it's America. But if no one had stress of being, and I'm not, this is not a socialist point of view. This is no. people just being smart with their money. Because if you go in debt and do stupid shit, hey man, it's the writing's on the wall. You know this. You know your credit card's at twenty three point six two percent. That's keeping up with your trends. So that's like a, that's the culture. Money, money's only good for the good it can do. Um, Bro, I, if I could say, they're like, hey, you're gonna make four grand the rest of your life. I'd be happy. Like not have the house we're in now, or we're going to be in four grand a month, or four grand yeah, four a year. grand a month for the rest of your life. That's a good. In, that is, don't get not bad. 
Don't don't get me wrong. Forty eight thousand dollars. Say say no tax. Say just straight up forty eight. Average household income right in this area, that's just below it. But that's a good that's a good life. If I got that money, I would go go find. I want to do this so bad. I could find a cabin out in the woods with like ten twenty acres, whatever. Out in Montana, where it's really cheap, no one's around you. Have a simple life of a cabin. Go hunt for food. Go scavenge. Not be like a weirdo, but you know you get your products, but mostly sustain yourself. And we talked about like those people who are on those like survivor podcast or actual shit, like real survivor shows alone and afraid or whatever. They're like healthier. Their stress is way lower, even though they're fighting technically for their life or food and water, but they don't worry about all this little crap. Imagine you just had a log cabin with a, with a nice fireplace that kept you warm. No, no heat. Did you know? And I would be happy as shit. You know, the statistically the happiest occupation is construction. Yeah. You know why? There's a sense of accomplishment. Yep. There's and, such a, when you're done with your work, you get you can say I built this, and it, this is the hardest thing for. I, yeah, I'm glad you brought that. This is the hardest thing for me about this job. Yep, is that it's all mental, and there's no physical aspect to yes. it. Yes, and I'm like I'm I'm good physical. You tell me I gotta go run 20 miles. I can get that done. I know there's the end line and there's a finish line. And when you see 20 miles ran, right, satisfied. You well, it's not even seen it. It's, you feel it. Yeah, bro, you're broken down. Like I went for a quick mile half run. My legs felt nice and sore last night because I didn't get it done in the morning. All this stuff. I'm like, well, that felt good. I did something. I ran. My body felt good. It was worn down a little bit. There's nothing better. I love physical exertion because at the end you get that euphoric. Yeah. You know the runner's high or you get that huge pump and you feel good. Like I always feel better with cardio than anything else. But it's hard to get that in real estate. It is. You have to. Well, you have to go find it. I don't. I don't even know if you can find it though, man. So I. Mean, I, I. So here's. I don't. A big issue that I have is comparing myself to other real estate agents. Yeah, you can't compare yourself. I can't compare myself. So what I do is I've kind of found ways to like start comparing myself to previous years. And that's pretty satisfactory. Like, okay, well, we've just, we doubled what we did last year in six months. And that's it. That's a good high. But construction workers, they go home, they go to work, they have a, they have, this is my task this is what I got done. I saw it. I don't have to take my work home. Right. And they make pretty good money. And typically... It's backbreaking work. We're not saying it it's is, easy. But typically, but, they don't have a lot of debt. Typically, really? I mean, a lot of a lot of them don't carry student loans. Well, they don't have student loans, but... but I, 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 You lost me there. But I do agree with you in regards to the work being accomplished. In most jobs, you can go, get it done, and you come home. Other jobs... Any of the debt a is business fun owner, Anyone who's a business owner has listened to this understands that I can answer emails all night. I can reference stuff, make posts all 24 hours a day. It is hard to turn off, but again, you're not like, you can't say physically I'm done. Like, you know, it's mentally, and that's like worse. The hardest part that I find with this job is when people, when other jobs are like, oh, I got to stay late because there's stuff to do. Yeah. It's like, there's never not something to be done in this business. Like, your emails could be your email box could be zero. Everybody, all your contracts are are on time. Um, everything like on the data, like the back end stuff, is all there, right? But there's still prospecting that can be done. There's still marketing that can be done. You're never there's always something. There's always something in this. It's business. hard to release it, and that's yeah. that's for anyone who's successful running a businesses or like CEO type stuff or president. I mean, there's always, and that's the hard part. What you're right is to turn that off like where's the off switch yeah and when i'm home but with us you know we're driving man like i and i don't mind working if i did not have a kid oh my god if i was single 
I don't Bro. know if I would have the same motivation if I was single just because. Uh, I will. Yeah, okay. Go. Just uh, my wife pushes me. Not pushes really? me, but like, no, she doesn't push me. Uh, the better way. I, I push myself because I want to give her right the best life I can. And if she wasn't, if, if my wife was not there and I make a hundred grand, mm-hmm. I don't have, I don't have student loans. I'm not carrying any of that. And I made a hundred grand. I'd be pretty freaking happy. I mean, like a single bachelor making a hundred grand and a hundred grand in real estate really isn't a whole lot of work. I, I mean, it, see. I mean, it's, it's better than it's, 90%. Yeah, well, it's five, it's $5 million. So what we talked about this on the pod. We've done 5 million this year. You've done 5 million this year. If you look back pretty close to it. Yeah. We both are close to it. Close to it. Yeah. You got a lot more in the tank, don't you? You would have had a lot more to give if you would have put proper systems into place. You would have put meaning meaning that there you left you left stuff on the field. There's, well, yeah, there's there's plenty of food I, left on the it, table that it, I could have took if advantage I of. If I sold five million dollars a year as a single bachelor, I would not look and be like, oh, I left more on the field. Does that make sense? A, a little bit. I think for you that does make sense. For yeah, me, for me it does. For me it does. I mean, you think you would you think you would work harder? Yes. If you were single. Uh, no, I, uh, I think I would work equally hard. I just think, and you'll, and you're there. I was about to say you're almost going to be there, but your priorities change, which is perfectly fine. Like I'm looking to leverage out so other people can pick that up. It costs more yeah. to do that. Um, dude, I never thought I'd make a hundred thousand or anything like that. Never in my life. Really? So you gotta think like my parents were very 40 hours a week. Okay. Work the same job. They take care of you. You retire there. You never have to worry about anything. Very old school Midwest. Stay with one place, you'll get rewarded. Yep. And that's and just not. No, no, they don't. You do not get rewarded. You Studies shown the more you, if you get a new job every two or three years, you, you're better. Really? They want people who jump around and get different experience. But I mean, back in the 50s and 60s, like you're supposed to go to one place, work there, you move up, become a manager. And that that's the highlight, being the manager of your area. But that's the, that's the educational make, make, system. That's the whole. That's, potentially. It, they were all about that. And there's, there's still aspects that are correct. I mean, you can't put in your work, but I mean, when people worked at Wright Pat Base and went to college with, I was like, dude, that's like the fifth job. He's like, yeah, every time I move, I make more money. They want you to get different positions. I'm like, in what world is that? I was, I was always raised You're like, this rewarding. is this and this. Yeah. I was, wow. I was raised like middle income. Like, you know, if you made 30, it's not bad getting out 40, 50. They told us like when I was in high school, like, Hey, you're guaranteed to make like 60. You know, they came out of the bullshit when he came out of college, the average college student makes 60, 70,000 a year. I was like, dude, I'm set for life. Yeah. I mean, because that's how like the mindset was. So I, I take that mindset, apply it now, like spending wise, don't spend more than I have to. Yeah. Like that truck I bought, super uncomfortable having payment on it. I just want to write it off right now. I just don't like it. It's unnecessary. Yeah. I could write it off. I hate the payment. I hate mortgages. I hate all that stuff. I hate being indebted to somebody. Yes. And even I mean, though it's slave even is borrow the lender. Yeah. It's in the Bible. Abraham Lincoln said banks were the worst thing. I think it was Abraham Lincoln to happen or like the worst thing ever in America way back then because he's like you're borrowing money for someone that can hold that over your head yes. like student loans you can't if you file for bankruptcy everything goes off but a student loan yep. that's financially backed by the government so the government basically owns your ass like they own me when i had a military contract so it's like i'm not saying don't do that i'm just saying like i it stresses me out because i i've been we talked about i've been there where all that money so i thought 30 40 is good if you ever told me i was gonna make six figures never would have believed it see and now we're at never this is gross, not and, net, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and I'm not trying to. We're not anyone can figure no, it out. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, nobody's not. Nobody's bragging about the the money we make or don't make. But there's a lot. Of, I if you break down the time or 
oh per hour. Oh, God, dude. Like five bucks an hour? People, eh. I don't think they know. I don't think they really quite, because they look at it. I thought Are about you talking this. about us? Like how much we're making per hour? Yes. How much oh, we make per we hour. We do not make much per hour. I mean, we're not like, so I always criticize people like, oh, agents make too much. There are a lot of agents that do make too much that don't really do much. But think about a lawyer. A lawyer will charge you two, three, six hundred bucks an hour yep. for to send you a document. He's like, he has to type up that. He already has a document that he pulled off somewhere. $500 for an LLC doc that you had to type yeah. up. Man, you put my name on that. Right. So it's like, you didn't do anything. You already had the form, yeah. right? And I was like, you want to talk about getting raped? I was like, lawyers kill you. And there's a million of them. But it's not like what? lawyers they, are hard to come by like a doctor. They can do it. Because they get away with it because yeah. the mentality, they're like, oh, lawyers are expensive. Or this guy is a really good lawyer. So he char- charges a lot and people go with that. So if you're, so if you, I mean, you got to have the time. So let's go if, back. Sorry. Let's go back. So real quick in that red book of sales. Yeah. It talks about like, your your clients people buy from you because they don't have to justify your price okay meaning like you've laid out to them what you do so well and they trust you so much that it's like oh yeah he just charges that standard commission of three percent i i think that's i think that is true for very few agents i think 98 percent of that does not apply to most or 98 percent agents don't apply to that and here's why I think a business and a company that provides a product is this and this, or even a different service. Cause I still think it'll be hard until the day. There's not so many of us is there's so many real estate agents. A lot of people think they just write paperwork and do your contracts, which they do. But what else do you do? Like, unless you've been in the business 10, 15, 20 years, have the referrals and people are like, listen, this guy costs a little more to sell your house, but you will have no issues. People will pay the money. You're and you're right because people will pay that. But, but how do you even, get there? It's, it's, how do you not, get there? It's not that you don't have any issues. It's just right. that you'll know about the issues when they come up. You'll know. You'll be always yeah. abreast. I mean, it, you I can know. be the best real estate agent in the world, right? But the other agent might not be, and it can fuck everything. It can up. fuck everything up. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm, and you. And ben I'm just on, had an I'm agent. On a oh my fucking yeah. war path today. Ben guys. just had an agent. I'm not. Two days before closing, or three days, changed the lender. Just changed it. And what that means but is, didn't, but didn't t- I had didn't to call? Ben, I had to call. Hey, we're supposed to close. Yeah, we changed the lender. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, we we had to do a new lender. I I forget my text. My text was so <laughs> passive, just like uh, I gotta find it. But Dude, I if all your clients, I'd raise the price ten grand. I, I'd raise the price ten grand. Yeah, because you're going, you're still going to take. They have to get an appraisal. Or they have to buy the appraisal off their old person. They still have to run. It's going to be at least two weeks out because they got to buy that appraisal, get that done. They have to rerun that person's paperwork. So you're still looking probably at least a week or two out. And in this market, say you're paying us an extra five grand or 10 grand for the house. I can't find that. Text. And if not, we're putting it back in the market. Um, I got a, uh, we have, um, we can't close until blank because of delays. Ooh, she Ooh. lied. What delays? Oh, um, here it is. Um, I didn't even respond to it. Really? <laughs> I think I called. I would have. I've been absolutely pissed. In what world do you do that in this market? But here's here's a big thing that I I believe in. I'm not a yeller, right? So <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm obviously. That's where I need the but, friends and so influence people. Here, here. here's my argument for that, Trent. It's already done. They already switched lenders. What does me yelling at you 
get accomplished. Not not yelling. I'd just be like, dude, what the fuck? That's like all it is. The common courtesy. So I think we the, said it before, when you're in a contract, it's imperative all four people, buyer, seller, buyer agent, selling agent, all work together to make this happen. Because you, you agree on the initial aspect yes. of it. You're so far into it. Inspections are done, which is the toughest. The appraisal's done. It obviously passed. And all of a sudden, the lender can't do it. I understand that may not be your fault. But why in the fuck would you tell me right now, two days before closing? The way the way that I that's the, where I would the way that it. I think you should handle it is, um, and I probably you know, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. You find out something goes wrong, right? That, right. That you were not told on in any situation. Okay, take a step back. Yeah. Get have the other person tell you what was wrong and let them know like, hey, that's. I'm not okay with this moving forward. I'm not okay with this, but how do we solve it now? Because if I, if I sit there and jump down their throat, they don't want to, they don't want to help me out. Right. They, they're not intimidated by me. Well, so, they should be because here, here's where the leverage. Okay. So I'm not saying you make the first person feel like a piece of shit. The person you're referring to obviously knows she should have said, Hey, we're working this. Now your buyer, that buyer may not even actually be qualified, and right? that's what's scary. So I would tell them, "You're gonna." I was like, "We're gonna put it back on the market, and then if we can close into like, I'm gonna put it back active, yep. okay? But if we can close, we'll close within the one week time. But we're putting it back on the market. Technically, I don't care if we're under contract or not. We're putting it back on the market. If your buyer wants to continue buying this house, once we get conf- confirmation from title company, I'll put it back as pending, and we'll go sold the next day." But until then, I'm putting it back active. So you're, you're, way, I think it's a detriment for your seller right now because I, you're I in a seller's market. I don't disagree. The way that right. you're talking about now is okay. So a good agent in this situation says, a, a, a good agent, when people say he earns his commission, right? He's got your best interest in mind. Yeah. So, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, it's a tough one. I've got your best interest in mind. So here's what we're going to do. Oh, shit. You're, you finish talking, finish talking. So that's that's but but what we're if we're looking at like not the nitty gritty of this deal, right? But proving to our clients, hey, bad things are going to happen. This is, but I, I I'm I know what to deal with do when this situation happens, right? To best protect you, because that's my job is to protect you and to get you the most amount of money, least amount of hiccups, and the fastest amount of time. And this is why I tell everyone, and they're like, well, the deals aren't all the same. I tell them all the time, like new situations pop up that people have. Ooh, that people have never dealt with before. That's a tough one. And this, I, I would say, is definitely one of those. Like, how often does someone say two days before close, like, hey, they can't get the deal done. They have to use a different lender. If I was a listing agent, I'm like, I'm telling my sellers, like, actually, this is what I'm doing. I'm calling the agent, like, why can't they get it done? Yep. Okay, what's the situation? Why would this? And then I'd be like, how's this other lender going to get it done? I'll tell my sellers, hey, this is the situation. What do you want to do? I recommend, I tell them, we're still, we'll still work on closing this deal, but we're going to put the house back active. Yeah. And then if we get another offer, we're going to go with that one because with a first writer refusal of 48 hours, you've got no, 48 first hours. Writer, no, I'll just be like, we're this far into it. You're going all the way back with a new lender because you couldn't get approved that one. So your guy's not actually approved. So you completely lied on the purchase contract. I was like, once we get confirmation from title company, we're clear to close. We'll put it pending, but I'm putting it back at, I, I was like, I would say we put it back active because right now this guy showed he's not that strong of a buyer. And I was like, if your seller's like, great, let's do it. I'll tell the agent, I say, Hey, we're putting it back active. If we get clear, close from title, we'll finish this up. If she's like, well, no, we're not going to continue to offer. But like, okay, no loss to you. Your original, your original lender couldn't qualify you. Yeah. 
So now you're switching someone. I'm not saying like if they have to switch. I've had people have switch, but not two days out. Yeah, I've had, it's it's like in the I've like had two, people switch. I mean, yeah, I've had it two weeks into the deal, and we're supposed to close in four that we got it done. I was like, I'm not saying that's a problem. I mean, that shit just happens. But I'm saying two days before that agent knew, and she has to go by her buyer, which maybe it wasn't the right time to tell. But, but you're also supposed to tell me, I I shouldn't keep be, an open line of communication because I should together. not have in any business. And if we have people who don't sell real estate, listen, I hope we do. That'd be cool. But very uh, very heated on this. <laughs> in any business, you've got to keep an open line of communication. Everybody, if you're, if somebody else is finding out bad news from somebody else, mm-hmm. that's a really bad spot to be. It's a really, really bad. If they're not on your team and they find out news from somebody else, that's bad. That's real bad. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. I get, I get anime about that because it's just, it's, it's kind of the bullshit we have to deal with that then you have to take back to your sellers. Two days out, they may have moved all their stuff out. They may have. Oh, they've moved out. Yeah. So now, I mean, who knows if it affects another deal? Like people don't understand. Like you're a lot of deals are hinging that's, on contingent, contingent, contingent. That, that's that's a tough. And most, she know, and that agent, she, they know she better. Knows, yeah, the most yeah. stressful thing in this business is a sell to purchase, and the purchase is purchase needs to sell to purchase. So, yep. if the sale is going south on one. It's holding up four or five deals. And it's like three, four. Oh, that. But you're only worried about that that one or maybe the one you're trying to buy. I mean, what are your thoughts that's just on, part of it. What are your thoughts on people buying cash right now and then finan- refinancing right after just so they have a stronger purchase power? Um, if they really need a house, do it 100%. But when you, when you refinance after you buy cash, you don't get as good as a, as a rate, and you're not getting you're not getting refied on the whole amount. Am I correct? You're only getting an eighty twenty. Shit, they can get refied on whatever they want. Well, yeah, I mean it depends. If it's your primary, I think you're fine. If it's an investment property, they only do seventy five percent or maybe eighty percent of the refinancing amount. But if it's your primary, I think you could go ninety ninety five. They don't care. It's like buying the house, except the lender gets a higher interest rate because refinances cost more than yeah. Um, now this is after you buy it and ref- well. That's only investments. They might, they might be great. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If I could do it cash, as long as you don't need that, whatever money just right away, get, just to win the dude, win the offer, I, I would tell them uh, yes. That's kind of where I'm you like, can find your house. You can close faster. You can get in there. You can refinance. You can go sell your house. Yeah. Don't worry about doing it all at once. But not too many people can do that. Not very. What do you think the pot percent of the population? If they say, what is it, 70% can't come up with $500 in an emergency, what do you think the population can afford to buy a house cash? <laughs> 1%? I mean, they could buy a house for five grand in Dayton in a certain well, area, but to buy a reasonable $120,000 house in the Midwest, 130, probably almost no one. Yeah. Because the people who have the money to buy, okay, great, great point here about people saving money, building wealth and equity. The people who can buy the homes cash, Nine out of ten times aren't the hundred thousand to hundred thirty thousand dollar homeowners, correct? Unless they've saved their entire life and it's like their whole four hundred one k. But most of the people who can buy cash are your two to four or five hundred thousand in our area. Yep, because they're CEOs, they save their money right, they invested it, they have the equity, or they got money they can pull out and do it. And those are typically the people because their mindsets, like we talked about before, different. They're not work at one place for forty years you know, move up every 10 years, get a raise as it goes up slower than inflation. So you're actually losing money. It's crazy. And then you retire. So those people can't. So 
most middle class will not unless they get inherited money or something from like an estate or death or something like that. What do you think the average what do you think the average bank account is of Ugh, an American? No idea. It's actually supposed to be better. Debt's well, down. No, the well, it, since coronavirus, debt has gone down. Equity is people up. Are buying, home, I guess. Equity is up. Yeah. Savings accounts are up. Average. That's great. Yes. I mean, I'm did all you see, for that. I hate so our whole economy is based did, on consumerism. Did spending. you see that um uh delinquency rates are higher than two thousand eight? So I read I've heard recently that there's been more people starting in the foreclosure, pre foreclosure or something like that. Yep. But I've also watched a guy, Graham Stephan, talk about that, and the reports aren't accurate. Their their information they're pulling is not correct because last the last month they actually had a decrease. Like they say, renters aren't paying, but they actually are. I don't know. I've heard stuff all over the place. To be honest with you, and I have not researched it enough to give a correct answer. The average is twenty nine hundred dollars. Twenty nine what? Twenty nine hundred dollars in a bank account. <laughs> It makes me throw up. It's scary. If I'm an adult and I have kids and I'm averaging 2,900, I mean, if that's you, give me a call and we'll get you some investments or we'll do something to make your life a little easier. Okay. And then this one says $8,800. That's purely liquid savings. How much? That's purely liquid savings. By age 25, you should have saved... 0.5% 0.5% your annual expenses. In other words, if you spend $50,000 a year, you should have at least fifteen to $25,000 in savings with minimal credit debt. Okay. That's realistic, but looking at that, like that's pretty tough. I don't, that's, yeah. I mean, that's just a lot of spending. Because our, our whole economy, people don't understand when the coronavirus happened, our whole economy was consumer the entire economy of the U.S. is bent on people spending money. If people just stop spending money and save money, the economy would crash, but would be a lot healthier. Mm-hmm. But you can't see past that. So I I wasn't too. This is an economic debate. I wasn't too. <laughs> I wasn't too listening to. I wasn't listening too much to the. Um. Oh my God, Ben! Fix your brain. I'm full noodle. Um. The. Mortgages are delinquent. Delinquency rates compared to 2008. What was your take on that? Uh, I don't know. I I said I didn't read enough on it. I've heard, yeah, I saw like someone say like CNBC was like, oh, delinquency or mortgage, whatever's up. But then someone else is like, they're really not. They're actually better. People are still making payments. Commercial loans, payments, like rent has gone really bad. I think commercial market is going to get destroyed. Like businesses, oh, commercial like hundred percent. We all know that. That's doesn't take a genius to figure it out. By October, November, businesses are like, wait a second. My employees have been more productive at home. Why am I spending ten thousand dollars a month on rent? That I think I think someone said like seventy or fifty percent of restaurants are going to close their doors. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I uh, I, I've said it from the beginning. I work in restaurants. You can't make money off that. Um, what is his face? The guy who yells at people and has a cooking show, Bar Rescue. Uh, John oh, Taffer. Yeah, 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 yeah. John Taffer said the same thing that he thinks that it's going to be upwards of that. I, I've said it a hundred times. Brothers, Brooks Brothers just filed bankruptcy. I Every had, major retailer fired. You want to know why? Perfect example. They're leveraged out too much. They have too many spaces. That's 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 the benefit. Like, you know, when you go go big or yeah. stay small, stay small. You can move faster. You can change your process. Like a lot of local restaurants might move better. 
than a big restaurant, yeah. like a big chain, because they can move adapt faster. Whereas if you're a big chain restaurant, you're like, okay, we got to do this. Well, we got to get approved by this. And then it has to come down the funnel of everyone tell us what we're supposed to do. The managers, whereas a small restaurant has to make two or three local change here, like roosters or something. They can be like, Hey, we're doing this and they're yeah. done. There's no argument. There's no voting. There's no nothing. But I'm telling you with restaurants working in them, you're, you're working a 10 to 15% profit margin anyways. Jeez. And then you're trying to operate only outside or only carry out, but you're still paying for full bar and they make most of their money off liquor sales. Like you get 10% off food. They get like 50 or hundred percent profit off liquor. You know, they, they charge like $5 a shot shots, like an ounce, a double shots actually 1.75 ounces. So if you're trying to get ripped at a bar, just order a bunch of single shots because you actually get more. Okay. Right? So you actually get two ounces instead of the 1.75, one and three quarter ounce. So by the time someone orders five shots, they already paid for a bottle of Jack Daniels. And then they got a hundred shots. You know what I mean? They got 50 shots left. Yeah. So they make all their money off of liquor sales. And every bar and restaurant, people will tell you that. The people are really going to get killed. Or you, know, you see some of these places that have like five pages of menus. Yeah. Like, I hate that. Simplify the menu. Uh, what is it? Cheesecake Factory? Cheesecake. Oh, my God. It's a chapter book. Yeah. But yeah. just make a simple menu with like six primary, some salads and some sides Canes, and apps. And chicken done. has the best. We sell Dickens. chicken <laughs> and different levels of orders. Sizes. And, yeah. Uh, different sizes. And we have coleslaw and bread. If you don't like it, don't come here. If you don't like it, don't come here. That. We don't have much. Or, uh, uh, or the hamburger wagon over in Miamisburg. Yeah. It's... Get your hamburger. Do you want pickles or not? Yeah, the hamburger <laughs> wagon. Uh, quick plug: If you're in Miamisburg, their menu, the the things that are on their menu are hamburgers. That's it. On their hamburgers are bread, burger, pickle, onion, salt, yes. pepper. That's it. Low cost. They have fast sales. Nothing. No, in, in no storefront. <laughs> do you think they? Wagon. Do they? Do you think they rent that that curb? I, th- I don't. They keep their stuff across the street in that bar, in that like garage. They gotta get a permit because you can't just sell it. But I'm, they probably got something worked out with Miami. I'll tell you what, Miamisburg is a great city. Um, Katie Frank runs the development over there. Helped okay. my wife out when she started her business, and I've talked to her too because me and one other lady looked at opening up a, uh, um, like a fitness place there, like personal training, like joint. Um, but that was right before I got deployed. But nonetheless, like, she was great to talk to. Full information. Miamisburg did a lot or has done or is doing a lot to help their, like they changed Miamisburg the last five, 10 years. I, 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 are we allowed to talk about that? But I love downtown Miamisburg. If you're, what are we? they have to have a, they have to have the most local restaurants and like bakeries and shops in any city in the area. They're the only thing they're missing out is cleaning up that downtown with all those crappy houses. I can say that. Yeah, okay. you can say that. Um, get rid of those trashy landlords is basically what it is. Have someone come in there, fix up the houses, make them nice. There's some nicer ones down there, but they kind of got a smaller downtown. Figure out some way to expand it. I'm telling you, the back end of Miamisburg by the river, um, where they have like the skating rink sometimes. Yeah. They need like a three story restaurant type area. Imagine that you got rooftop because no one takes advantage of this river. We have this river there. It's like downtown Cincinnati was yeah. like 10 years ago. It was junk, crap, and now everybody, trash. Everybody's paying. And now they're paying the three, $500,000 for these condos. I'm like, like I told you that 10 years ago, I'm like, man, you got these awesome area to look over the river. The and they other, were crap houses. On the other side of the river of Miamisburg, after you, once you leave downtown, nothing. 60, 70,000. The biggest thing there is that railroad track that blocks it in the streets. There's railroad trucks running through downtown Cincinnati. But if they can find a way to like, they can make that like a cool little place. I'm uh, not saying you're going to get half I think, million dollar condos, but you can get $200,000 
condo slash townhomes over there that look over and look nice. If I was a single guy, I'd be living in downtown Miamisburg. They have apartments over my wife's shop and it's uh like a thousand dollar rent. It's like luxury apartments. It's supposed to be really nice. But downtown Miamisburg? Mm-hmm. Right above her shop, there's apartments up there. Which is the wine store there, which would be really sweet. Those apartments are slick. I've never seen them, but I heard they're nice. They're on the MLS. I'll pull them up for you. Um, they, they like the exposed brick, exposed beam. So, yeah. I always love it. Everyone loves exposed brick. But anyway, so what have you changed from last week's conversation in your business? I know we talked about you trying to build more value and leads. Where have you gone with that? So I did a, an assessment on Connor. And what we were doing is I was trying to structure his day. So I was giving him a day-to-day, like a 30, 60, 90, yeah. written out day by day. Like, this is what you need to do today. Okay. And I was noticing that, like, he was getting a little... Annoyed? Annoyed. I mean, he was doing it, but he didn't see it as, like, the big picture. So what I his assessment told me is that he is very much... I'm really exposing him. So sorry, if, I don't know if he listens, but um, he he's really, really interdependent. Like, yeah. maybe I think that's the word. Like, if you give him like an overview. He just wants to do it. He just wants to do it. He great. Like, and that's what I was like, that's what I thought. I was like, great. So what we're doing is I, we got Red X. Yeah. And here's your, here's your list. These are your minimum requirements. Damn, that's what I'm getting. Do it. And he was fired up when we told him. Like, so I think he doesn't want to be watched and hovered. Over. Yeah. I think what I'm doing is what I've done differently since last week is realize, all right, I need to let go a little bit. Okay. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. You mentioned you're worried about, uh, him or just anyone ruin a quote unquote lead, which we all ruin leads all the time. I said that in our, in our, our meeting and yeah, that's right. And everybody was like, how many leads have I ruined? <laughs> a lot. Trial by fire. That's, Trial by fire. And that's what he's going to he's going to he's going to come out and thrive from that. I guarantee it. He he's it, the craziest thing and I never would have thought this. This was I found this super interesting. I was we were we were driving to a meeting and I said, "What's your big hang up with calls?" And he goes, "I'm worried if they say yes, what do I say?" <laughs> that's like I'm the like, last thing you got to worry about. Like, that's a great thing. Guys, I was like I was like, "What?" And he was like, yeah, what if they say yes? I say, if they say yes, you don't ask any more questions. You shut up and figure out what time works for them. What day and time works best for you. But like that that simple question was like, that was his big worry. That's crazy. And I didn't ask. So success was his worry. Success was his worry. Like what happens if I succeed? Like he had no problem with the rejections. He was fine with the rejections. That's but like, okay. It's like what? Ha- and I was like, dude, if you getting somebody to say yes is your biggest worry, we're going to be just fine. He yeah. said, what do I, so what do I do? Uh, they said, yes, you shut up and say, okay, what time works best for you? Cause you're not calling to close them. You're calling to get the appointment. You just yeah. got the appointment. Schedule I, it. It's a good point. I think a lot of people think you're trying to close them on the phone. Nope. You're not the, that short and to the point. When you are calling, when you are cold calling, you are not calling to close a deal. You're calling to get an appointment. That's it. Right. If you get the appointment, that's when you start selling yourself. But if you're trying to sell yourself and oversell on the phone, you're in a bad spot, man. It's just awkward. It just sounds car salesman. It sounds. Um, I've I've been caught in that plenty of times. You you're can't trying to read their body language. You're trying to like break through one way or another, and you're just like you're just missing it, and you know it. You're just like, how can I get to these people? And you're just 
So what what it is it is okay. When in my opinion, if I'm cold calling, what am I? Give me. I'm cold calling geo leads, right? Uh-huh. So what do people want when you're cold? If somebody cold called me geo lead, what could I offer them that would make me want to get in? That would make me want them to get in the house. Well, right. I'd like somebody to tell me how much my house is worth. Right. So that appointment when I'm geo farming, it's not okay. Hey, this is Ben. Are you interested in selling your house? Because chances are they're going to be like, no. So it's, hey, this is Ben over at the Bolton Group at Keller Williams. Uh, we just sold a house down the street from you. We're calling to see if anybody in the neighborhood would want to know how much their house is worth. But you're going to get more yeses from that. I guarantee you'll get more yeses from that. Then are you interested in selling your home? Because interested in selling your home is this like top of the mountain thing. Like that's... That is the top of Everest. So let me be your devil's advocate. Giving the price. Let me is be your devil's camp. advocate. Okay. So if I had a salesperson call me, yep. that's what people see is that sometimes. Say, hey, just want to know if you want to price your home. Great. What is it? Well, I can't get out there. And good point. So and then you here, get that you get that rejection all the time, and you say, I understand. Yep. I, what I can do is I can if you give me your email, I can give and you. That's a rough not estimate. that's not my main point because here's why. Are they going to deal with you? Come out to their house, trying to clean it up, or they can pop on Zillow or realtor.com or whatever, Trulia, whatever, and just be like, well, I can see it here. And that's fine. And that's what we're probably going to give you. Our our number is probably right. going to be the same as that. No. Our, our, <laughs> Come if on, bro. you've never been in that house, it's going to be ten to 15000 I hate to say it, Zillow's estimate is getting closer. It's only closer if the house is in I the also, area. Or have you also noticed that they are now yeah. changing their estimate? to the list price by a couple dollars. Of course. Why wouldn't you? I know. Cause you just did the work for them. Yeah. So here's a problem when you make that, I would not, you want to give me, this is what I'm going to do with our geo leads. When it's funny. You mentioned red X is we're going to get the same thing for the geo lead stuff. It's only 2000 now. Two, well, 2000. Yeah. But 2000 Trent, my, my strategy lot. is 200 calls, like actual calls and people around the area. Are you so if you're at triple 10 dialer times, or are you no, doing? No. Just single dialer. So, Here's why, because triple dialer is fucking expensive. Yes, it <laughs> is. But bucks. 2,000 leads, Trent. That's a you're lot. wrong. They're not leads. They're 2,000 contacts. They're, no, they're 2,000 numbers you're going to call right, that I, you're trying to convert to. All right, now that we're contact. on Red X, I got to ask you this because now I'm yeah. fired up. Do you think in this age... What do you think is better? Because they can also give you emails. Yeah. Emails or phone number. Phone number. Thank you. Taylor's well, like, well, I would hate if somebody called me. It's like, yeah, but if I've got who them on said the f- that? Taylor, my wife. Yeah. She said, well, if, if they call me, if they call me, I don't, I, I, I'm on the defense, but, but if they email me, they, if I email them, they don't even have to respond. You don't even know if you have the right email. You don't even know where it's going. Yes. Like there's, it's so dumb. Like here, and it goes back to our conversation in the last episode where I'm like, emails don't mean anything. They don't have to open them. They just delete them. They just ignore them. So when you call someone, you're like, yeah, you may not. But if you're going to, if you go into an aspect of like informational and giving, like when I, I door knock this one area in Myersburg, I just print out a shit ton of sheets, like whole RPR report, like it's 10 pages. I get it each house. I just knock the door. Like, hey, I'm just a local real estate agent. Just wondering if you guys want to know what's going on in Miamisburg in general and stuff. Um, they'll be like, no, they'll be like, okay, well, here's just paper. It just has every house that's 
listed, pending, and for sale, the price point, what yours might be worth. Like, okay, great. Every people are like, oh, okay. Like, I'm not coming around saying, hey, are you looking at selling your house? Hey, or do you know anyone looking to buy? It's just like, here's this information. So if I were you and I'm calling around my listing, I'd be like, hey, this is Trent with the Bolton Group. We have a house listed down the road. Don't say where it is. Don't say anything about it because they may not know the road. They don't know where it's at. Like, you know, we're getting a lot of interest in it. Blah, 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 blah. I like how you say that because then it makes them ask you a question. Which yeah. shows interest. Oh, we have a house listed down the street. Oh, which one? Now you're talking. I don't even want to ask that. I just be like, hey, we have a house listed down the street on 123 Main Street. Or I want to say that. Don't say the address. Be like, and we're getting a lot of interest in it. Just didn't know if you know anyone looking in the neighborhood or if you had any questions about the market. Great. No, I don't. Well, let me ask you this. Would you be okay if I sent you or dropped off some information about the neighborhood, what things are selling for, just so you know and have an idea of what your largest asset is. They're probably gonna be like, that's fine. Drop it off. Yeah. And then I was like, if it's me, anyone I had a reasonable conversation with, I drop, I mark it, drop off whatever information I give them. You actually have to do it or you mail or whatever. Call them back next week. Be like, hey, Don, just gave you that. I sent you that information. We'll make sure you got it. Hey, that's awesome. Did you have any questions on it? Did you get a chance to read it over? Yeah, it's nice. You know, we're not interested in selling. I was like, that's eh, not a problem. I'm not trying to convince you to sell. Like I always it's, say it's impossible to convince. I've, I've said this I, forever. It's impossible to convince someone to sell. I always say when, never works out. whenever people are in the defensive, I said, listen, I'm not in the business of getting people to sell their houses. Right. I, I don't do that. I do not. Do you know what the conversion rate is trying to take a cold lead and saying you should sell your houses? Almost zero. Zero. They have to have an actual interest in selling the house. Well, there's an emotional reason why they're selling right. their house. And if you're not connecting on one of those emotional reasons, not even you just well, have to I have say, any idea if like well we're selling a year that's a sign that's a sign but if someone's like we're not interested in selling we're gonna stay also, here it's also fine what can i provide you what my goal isn't just to try and sell your house i want to give you information so people people who are like oh, we're thinking decision. about selling in five years tag that follow up once a year yeah i was well, like if someone wrote me a card called me left me a message dropped off something once a year they will certainly be in my house for an interview. Maybe two or three times, maybe the, the quarterly four times. But but I think that I was like they would one hundred percent. You read Ryan Serhant's book, right? Yeah, I I still love that. I gotta they, reread that actually. I love his follow up where all he did was we talked. Yes. About, yeah, if you haven't, basically what he did is he was showing houses for a divorced couple. Uh, oh, for a couple. Um, their budget was maybe five million dollars, and they ghosted him. Uh, and he followed up every single week with this or every month with this guy for five, seven years. He never responded. Seven years later, he calls. He says, hey, Ryan, I'm, I'm actually back in the market. My wife and I got divorced. Divorced. Um, right. Our budget is my budget's now $30 million. And he's like, every single one of those emails was worth like $10,000. And I don't know what the actual number was, but like. Right. And that's and that's different. I mean, there's you should always follow up. <laughs> You should follow up with every single at client prospect you have until they tell you to fuck off or die. S- say if you call me again, I'll see you. Yep, I'm done. Okay, yeah. Don't, or but don't, you should never also yeah. be at that point. Like that's another issue I have where people are like they call that much that they're getting complaints filed. There, that's not a sales tactic. That's just fucking annoying. Well, we talked about that last time. I know it's not, it's not saying that is an extreme, but it's two different people. So. But I mean, it is a fine line of trying to figure out that person, what you can provide, what you can't provide. 
um, information wise, like, listen, if you can get across point, like I'm just here to provide you information. If you want to sell your house or have questions, let me know, but I'm not going to ask you, do you want to sell your house this year? No, it's just dumb. Like don't They'll tell you, they will that. tell you by the nature of your conversation when they are considering or if they are considering selling their house. Even people are like, well, you know, it's a pretty hot market. We thought about it. Those are still very, very, very low, low chance. Cause like selling your house. Cause they're going to ask a ridiculous price usually. Yep. Which is all right. I'll I'll take the listing and yep. just get try and get at least one client off of it. But if if you if you communicate to them, hey, this is a ridiculous price, it may sell. But be the biggest, the more important question, that and anything else in business is okay. If we sell your house, what do you want? Because what they want might be unrealistic. Like I got one buyer right now who's looking for like I two went, plus acres in Bellbrook, Springboro, Sugar Creek that needs fixed up for like two hundred to maybe three. I'm like. That sounds healthy. That is not healthy for two acres. You know, yeah. one, it's hard to find two acres and it has to have a pond or a creek and a pool is a plus. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay, I'll just go walk to the Wonka chocolate factory and try to find that golden ticket inside the candy because that's what we're looking for right now in this market. I, I went on a listing appointment last weekend and yeah. they told me they had just purchased the home Um, and they had just... I, you know who it is. Okay. They just purchased the home <laughs> the week before they had told me that they just wanted to cash out and make a linear move. So, okay. So, and I was like, absolutely. Yeah, we could definitely do that. We can absolutely take some of that equity, go put some on the down payment. I show up to the house. Yeah. Right. And it's wife who is, who's kind of struggling to, to, to pull the trigger and linear would have been 250, 275. And he starts scrolling through houses that he'd be interested in. 400, 450, five. Nice. I'm like, man, you taking out the equity that you made, the twenty-five, dollars $30,000 equity is not financially smart for you to go purchase a $400,000, $500,000 house. And they agreed, but I was like, you told me it was a linear move. Where, when you say linear, where else were they going to go? Well, they were just going to go to a different county with lower taxes with smaller gotcha, land. Gotcha. Um, but the fact that it's like what you are, what you want right now is unrealistic for what you're telling me. You want a linear move, similar payment. That's impossible. Yeah. But that's impossible. And that's, that was one of my frustrations. Well, that's not linear and that's not the same payment going from the two fifty to 75 to four or five. You're literally doubling. You're doubling your payment. Even if you are, <laughs> even if you are taking the equity, uh, six months equity in your home. You literally have to put down $200,000. Yeah. I mean, basic, I'm not a genius with math. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just a weird comment. Taxes differ. They don't differ that much. I don't think, yeah, you're talking about 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks yeah. a month payment. Now I am interested in selling my house. If anybody, <laughs> I've got a three bedroom, one and a half bath in my No Amy's one's Bird. interested. Brick Ranch, we're asking 250 Maybe in Centerville. If somebody wants to give me two fifty for my house, I'll let them move in today. Of course you would. <laughs> Everyone would. Yeah, I'll live. I'll live yeah. in my. I live in my in laws' house until. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I don't know. I think it is hard when you find someone who says they're they're mildly interested. I found out like they have to be. You I don't, can't convince like I don't. It's not want, like you can't convince you can convince someone to buy a car for fifty grand. 
Because you're not moving all your shit and you're not pissing off a wife. Well, yeah. you'll piss off a wife, but she doesn't know until after the fact. You yes. don't need the wife to sign off on the deed to True. do it. The house, though, dude, it's like there's nothing worse and, against someone who's one foot in, one foot out. And, it just never works out. And, and buying a car is a lot easier because it's a six-hour transaction. For that, They have six hours to think about it. Oh, yeah. A real estate transaction is 45 days. That's 45 days of highs, lows, angry, happy. And you are managing that. Buyer having regrets. Exactly. And if they have one foot out the door, it's a lot tougher to manage those emotions. Wait, turn off that auto, the MLS search. Once they're under contract, cancel that. Yep. There's nothing worse than, it's like when you're dating a girl, like, well, I got this one. She's awesome. Exactly what I wanted. But I saw this one over here. Maybe that one's nicer. And once you dip your toe in that one, it's going to script the first one. Did I ever tell you early on this year? I have a house and I know you got to, we got to wrap up here. You got to wrap up. This is a great story though. I've got a, we've, we're under contract. It's a, it's a Sunday night. Okay. We're at family dinner. The whole family's there. We're closing, I think maybe Wednesday, the mm-hmm. following Wednesday. So three days away, I get a call from the buyers and they say, Hey, we want to check out this house to which I respond. Mm-mm. We're, we're closing in three days. I, I can't, I can't ethically show you that property. Right. I just can't. So I get a call from the loan officer the next day. Their loan officer saying, Hey Ben, I got a contract on another property. No way. Yep. They went, they called a different agent and he showed him that property and they walked away from the deal. So you lost the buyer. I, but I was not gonna. I was not gonna write that contract up. I would not have showed him that property, and maybe I'm wrong for doing that. But that's that's really unethical. Like, if you want out of the deal, I'll get you out of the deal. But we're not gonna go write another offer while you're under contract with another offer. Tell me, hey Ben, we want out of this deal. I'll right. tell him you're gonna lose your earnest money. You could maybe get sued. You may need to talk to a lawyer. But <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not gonna give you any legal that, advice. I would sue him if I was a seller. Oh yeah, you win that in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, and they held him off the contract for sixty days. I mean, they would. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, but those buyers had one foot out the door, and they were constantly looking for something better. That means they didn't have the right house. Maybe I was. Maybe I wasn't the best agent. I should have. But <laughs> no, just being. What are you gonna do? What can you do in that situation? You tell them like we can show it, but I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> you could go under contract in this house, get sued for that house because you had perfect ability to buy the home you decide not to go through just because yeah. they would have actual they could see you for losses because if they sell the house for 10 grand cheaper they can see you yep. for the 10 grand you're gonna it's lose your the money. damages they can see you the damages of the house being off the market like multiple things they can see you for and they would actually win on that case you know, I've had, a, a simple, you know I've had a you know they always talk about it's not over till the fat lady sings yeah you know i've had a closing fall through halfway through the signing the buyer really? walked why I've told you a story. So basically I'm not going to go into too much detail because I think, I think there might be litigation going on. Oh, nice. (laughs) Basically the buyer called, everything was going great. A couple days before the closing, I'm getting all these weird questions from the buyer's agent talking about slab warranties and all this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, well, we sent you all this in the property disclosure. What's, What's, what's the issue? 
we get to the closing table. I, I show up late because my sellers had already signed and moved out of state. Nice. Um, so it's it, going to go well. Buyer says, I need to talk to you. I look at the buyer's agent and he's just silent. I'm like, okay, this isn't good. And she goes, I had no idea that blankety blank was a problem. And I said, no, I'm sure you did because it was in the property disclosure. We sent you the transferable warranty, yada, right. yada, yada. And she goes, well, I never, I, I only signed something blank. And I'm like, I assure you that your agent did not make you sign a blank document, yeah. like a blank piece of paper. So I was like, we'll call the, we'll call the blankety blank company. And she goes, no, we don't need to do that. I said, no, no, we'll figure this out. So I call the blankety blank company and I said, yeah. this is, this is Ben over at Keller Williams. I'm calling about, uh, you know, one, two, three main street. And she said, oh, I've been dealing with that buyer for a couple of weeks now. And I looked at her at the closing table with everybody around. I'm like, all right, you told me that you didn't know about this, but she says she's been dealing with you for a couple of weeks. And the husband slams his phone down and he goes, I don't give a fuck what they do. We're walking. And they walked out of the closing. So weird. Yep. It's not over until the fat lady sings in this business. I tell people, everyone has this, like, man, I had that three hour negotiation with my one buyer to get her to feel comfortable buying. I mean, but you have to do that in this business. It's not, you're their sounding goes back board. back to like what I said first 20 minutes is people think like, it looks easy because you're, they think you're only working with them. Yep. When you were dealing with like oh, 10 people yeah. and it's not their problem. Just be real, but it is the nature of the beast. Like if I worked, yes, I could work with one client a month. If I lived in fucking California, New York city where I'm selling five, 10, $20 yep. million dollar houses. Yeah. He has a reason to follow up with someone Ryan Sherhan does for five years because it's well worth it. You follow up with someone for five years as persistent he did for $130,000 house. It's worth $4 an email. Not, it's worth a dollar an email. Yeah. It's worth less. And how much per time hour. You know what I mean? It's there is retrospect. You have to look at it like binary. Like this is this and this is this. New York real estate, which is going down since 2015, is way different than California. Yeah. Is different than Ohio. And Ohio is way different than California. You can sell 10 houses in California and look like the number one agent in Ohio. But when those California agents come to Ohio, I'll be like, oh, God, I got to sell like 100 houses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Unless you live in like, you're selling up in upper Cleveland. Even then, even then, man, it's still, it's, it's a different world. I just don't think they, I don't think when you read that book, it's good, but yeah, I also have to take it into consideration. Like he's following up with people who are buying two, three, five, like two millions, probably normal. I have no idea. Five's a good house and probably 10 is like a great condo. Like you're dealing with that. They could sell one condo up there and do just as good. As we did selling 50 houses. Yeah. 10 million is 50 houses, 52 houses for us, essentially. Like they're like the Ferrari. They drive fast once, they're good. Man. Or like the old mobile that you, you imagine you're doing, beating up. Imagine yeah. doing the work for the, the same work that we did for 52 houses. Anyway, so no, you asked me what to wrap up. What's the thing yeah. that you've changed in your business from last week? Interviewing the ISA. Nice. How'd that go? Uh, do not tomorrow. Okay. Uh, buyer agent might be flaking. Uh-oh. Her husband might have a new job, which I don't blame him because he yeah. dealt with the weird Jeffrey Epstein type shit, child stuff. So oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I almost rather them him get a new job, move back up towards Toledo than her have to work. For, I mean, I, don't, I would want to get out of that in a heartbeat. When I'm changing, doing something different with my for like client appreciation, trying to get my clients involved more. So like giveaways. Nice. That's and we just started that today, by the way. So, what are you giving away? 
I don't know. We're looking at like doing like monthly subscriptions, like wine or like food, something we can do consistently on like a set budget. Why don't to you do a bunch of different away, little like, stuff? Your, your wife's stuff. Um, I've done it before, but I've talked about this before. I I don't get a lot of action on like I do something on Facebook like a giveaway. I don't get a lot from my clients, so we'd have to really work it like reverse bold one hundred call ins, text them, email them, call them like, hey, we got this going on, just letting you know things like that. I just don't get a lot of reaction because that's just. I mean, I only have like 200 people on Facebook. So if I post something, I'm lucky if 40 people see it. Fair. So, you? Well, you asked me, um, trying to be less less controlling and smile more. I'm going to smile more. Fair enough. That changes mood. Uh, we got to talk, what well, I mentioned before, we got to talk about the next episode, the, the, um, the journey, not the, not reaching the end. Holy crap, that was a horrible way to end that. Jesus Christ. So uh, get Think and Grow Rich if you haven't. Um, if you guys have any questions, reach out to us at Real Pursuit Podcast at Gmail or Real Pursuit Podcast on Instagram. We love questions. Give us feedback, people. Peace out. Thanks. Homies.